Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to start in the 6th verse and go down through the 14th verse. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 6, down through 14. The word of the Lord. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partakers or partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the world. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of that light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them, for it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, as we come this very moment, just ask you to open our hearts and minds to the truth of your word this morning. No doubt that every believer sitting here this morning has not only come to worship because they want to be pleasing and obedient to you, but they want to know more about you through this word. And as we go through those things this morning, Father, just enliven the hearts of your people, encourage them with the truth from your scriptures, use your Holy Spirit to go above and beyond my simple words and minister to the hearts of your people in only the way that you can. In Jesus' name we pray this day. Amen. All right, thank you again for being here this morning. We've been working in the book of Ephesians now for uh, just over a year and a half, and um, we're, we're getting close. I mean, we're just a chapter and a half away from being done. And um, this passage has really um, challenged my heart this week as we go through some of these things. I got three points I want to make this morning, and that is that as Christians, as Christians and those who walk in light, or those who walk according to light, those who walk in our light, and that is us, beloved. We, we have the knowledge of what God has done. We've been saved. We have the truth of God's scriptures. We have God's Holy Spirit walking in us. So this passage is asking us to do three things this morning as we look at just the, briefly at the end part of it, beginning at verse 10. These three things it's asking us to do is discern, defeat, and deliver. Discern, defeat, and deliver. It wants us to discern the truth so that we can defeat the dark and deliver the deceived. Discern the truth to defeat the dark and deliver the deceived. And these two issues this morning are Christian issues, and I think it's a, they are issues that Christians tend to struggle with, and we're going to interact with these two things this morning. What are those two things? Those two things are what I call the past sins issue. We all struggle with this. We were all saved from some type of sin, and because of that, it's difficult for us to be truthful to other people about that sin. We tend to backpedal. We tend to take our salvation a little bit for granted in how serious sin is, and we tend to backpedal and don't preach the truth for all that it is, and we let in a little dark when we do that. And the scripture is asking us 
um, clearly this morning not to do that, to walk as children are like. In fact, there's two opposites or moral imperatives. You can't have good and dark with neutral in the middle. Uh, from a moral perspective, it's either good or it's bad. It's not not good, it's bad. And that's what this scripture, if you were here last week, that's what it's telling us. It says you were once darkness, not that you once had some darkness or that you were once kind of dark or that the darkness affected you. You were darkness. You were a sinner lost and you were part of the darkness of this world. But now you are light. Live and walk as people of light. And that creates a great testimony in this world. So sometimes out of compassion, we're afraid to act on those impulses. We're afraid to go in with the truth. or We don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. We don't want to be judgmental. And I think that word judgment is we feel like we're judging them when we're not because the light dispels the darkness. And ultimately, what I want you to see in this sixth thing, the second thing is a tendency to get uh, shining the light of truth mixed up with judging others and their sin. Uh, because we sin ourselves and we backpedal, we also backpedal on gospel truth. It's not our backpedaling and our equivocation that saves the person. It's the light, right? It's not our equivocation and our worry about our past sins and how truthful the truth is that saves the person. It's the gospel that saves the person. And as saved persons, we need to get over our fear of speaking truth and be the light in our church and in our community. Amen? Right. We need to do that. And I think it's a matter of practice. We're going to see that as we get in here to the discerning and defeating part so that we can help deliver. And prayerfully, we'll relieve that tension at the end because what I'm going to show you is for us to backpedal and to go light could be sin ourselves. Sin ourselves. Because whenever we backpedal on Scripture, we are backpedaling on the truth of what saved us ultimately, right? Somebody spoke to us the sin that was in our life and we saw the need we had for the gospel because a church united on truth and a group of people in a church united around truth and willingly speaking that truth is a very powerful thing and it's something that this culture is in dire necessity of. All right? Our culture needs truth, amen? Right, they struggle with it. Our culture needs truth. So we see this and these, these truths that Paul's giving us in Ephesians was walking worthy. We see it in chapter 4, verse 1. And, you know, if you're visiting here this morning, thank you for coming, but you better open your Bible because we use it. And uh, we go back and forth on some of these different scriptures and use different proof scriptures. So we'll go back and forth on some of these. But what we came through some time ago, we see it there in four one. Paul says, I therefore, prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling. That's a big task for a Christian, to walk in the manner worthy of his calling. And then you see it in verses 2 through 8. 2 through 8 in chapter 4. He wants us to walk unified as a church so that we would have one unified voice. And what is it that unifies us, beloved? It's truth. It's the truth of Scripture. 
We agree that this is God's word and that word is enlivened in our heart through the work of the Holy Spirit and that brings us together as unified. We call ourselves Baptists. In fact, more particularly, we call ourselves Park Bible Baptist Church, the local expression of the church. The people unified here are unified in truth and in love and in the work of the Holy Spirit. We walk in unity. Purity, he's saying walk in purity and integrity. And then in 5.1, do you see it? Turn back over. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. Walk worthy, honor the Lord, walk in unity, purity, integrity, walk in love. And now as we deal with this passage in verses 2 through 14, walk in the light. Walk in the light. Walk in the light. So I want to walk in the light for a while this morning as we do. Here we go. We're going to discern the truth. We're going to defeat the dark and deliver the deceived. And a famous preacher that's alive still today, Stephen Lawson, says this simple little refrain. He said, the problem with preachers today is that no one wants to kill any of them. <laughs> Amen. You might say that about your own pastor, right? The problem with preachers today is that nobody wants to kill any of them. And when he says that, what he's saying is there's too many preachers that go soft on the word of God and soft on the truth of God and backpedal that word because they want to be popular among the people. And if we have teach, uh, teachers and preachers that are fearful of being killed, we must have churches in the same manner of truth. Pastors who lead like that because the leader of the church is the pastor or the elders and the way of the church goes, uh, Amos says the way of the priest is the way of the people. So goes the people, so goes the priest. If the priest is weak and if the preacher is weak, the congregation is going to be weak. So we need strong truth, strong preaching. And this church has this obsession. It wants the world to love it, to accept it. And um, I'll just tell you a little something that happened to me two days ago now. A man came to my house. We're having some plumbing problems, and he was a really nice guy, and he's getting right to the problems of our plumbing and the parsonage over here but he had a bunch of questions for me whenever he found out that I was a preacher and his one main question was how do we get youth back in the church how do we get youth back in the church he said do you have an idea how we can get youth back in the church and I said pray for the collapse of the public school system it was kind of tongue-in-cheek but I think it goes to the indoctrination of our children and what we need to do to reach our children is preach the same gospel that reached us. Our children need the same truth. My children need the same truth. Your children need the same truth. He said, oh, no, you don't understand. He says, kids love drones. And he said, I've got this drone and it takes these cool videos and kids really love this. And he said, I know this drone company. If we go together as churches and buy a bunch of these drones, we'll attract the kids to church. And I said, yeah, you may attract them to church, but what you win them with is what you win them to. If they come because you've got better programs and better, fancier things, I think I said it whenever you guys hired me, I said, we could put up a bouncy house in the sanctuary and draw children every Sunday. We could have a great child's party here on Sunday. But it's about truth, beloved. Everybody that is lost needs the same truth. And with this truth, I've had this myself. I've been accused of not being loving. I've been accused of being argumentative. I've been accused of everything but being unbiblical. You see, 
what I found is that everyone wants to love like Jesus, but few want to call others to repent like Jesus did. Do you remember what Jesus did? If you've ever read the Gospels, you've heard this. He flipped the tables over in the temple and threw them down the steps. He called the religious leaders of the day a bag of snakes. Every story in the gospel or many of the stories in the gospel when he's teaching and preaching, he had to move away from the people because they wanted to hug on him too much. Well, that happens too, but most of the time it was because they wanted to kill him. They wanted to kill Jesus. Jesus said himself in John 15, 19, if you were of the world, the world would love you like it does its own. But because you're not of the world, but I have chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Faithful to, faithfulness then to Christ naturally produces some hate for, hatred for followers of Christ in the world. In fact, Paul would write in 2 Timothy 3, indeed all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Why? I ask you, why was Jesus killed? Because he didn't love enough? Because he didn't feed enough hungry people? Because he didn't heal enough people? John 21, 25 tells us that if all the good deeds that he's done with, uh, while, he's while he was in his ministry on earth were written down, the books of the world would not contain them. Is it because he didn't do enough good things? No, they wanted to kill him, and they did kill him and crucified him because he called them to repentance for their sins. So that's a natural distinction of using and discerning and defeating the dark with truth to deliver those who are deceived. Discernment is a connector between wisdom and light. Turn with me to John chapter 3 momentarily. John chapter 3, probably one of the most uh, well-known passages in all of Scripture. We're going to start at verse 16. John chapter 3, verse 16. Scripture says there, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's the good news of the gospel, isn't it? For he did not send his Son, Jesus, into the world to condemn the world. Why? Because the world was already condemned. But in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment, verse 19. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works are evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light. There you go. That should be simple words. They hate the light. When you shine the light, they're going to hate your light just as much. Jesus promised this, that they would hate your light like they hated his light. That they would persecute you like they persecuted him. Everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not naturally come to the light, lest his works would be exposed by the light. The reason I wanted to highlight this passage is because you're seeing all the same words that you're going to see over here in Ephesians. But whoever, verse 21, does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. So you have two poles here, and you can see this, or this is best illustrated, I think, in the mainline denominations of today. The weakness of the churches today 
is more so and it's it's higher and it's more penetrated into the churches than it's ever been at any time in history. You have this philosophy that's floating around that most churches want the world to love them. Regarding ministry, they, they do things that gets the world to come in so that they love them. They don't want to offend anybody. They want to choose the path of equity, the path of tolerance, the, what they call loving other people by allowing them to sin their sins. This is seen in the example. We see it, and it's breaking churches apart today. And I said as I started, the thing that unifies us is the truth. But we have the mess of this church being broken apart because they've ordained women. Now, the women, and this is the natural progression in this, beloved. You see this in every mainline denomination that's doing it. The Southern Baptist Convention is working through it right now. And as women are ordained, pretty soon homosexuality is accepted and LGBTQ is promoted. It's happening all around us. Can't deny it. And, and I, I've heard this a hundred times. Pastor, you hate women. This has absolutely nothing to do with women. Nothing. Nothing to do with women. And it has everything to do with did God say. In fact, if you love women, you won't let them go against what God said. And you certainly won't promote that in culture and in other churches. It has nothing to do with the intellect of women or the abilities and qualifications, but everything to do with what God said. Did God say? So that's where we're at. Did God say? I want those words to ring in your ear as we think about what it may seem to discern the truth. To discern the truth so that we can defeat the dark and deliver the deceived. That may be a prescription for why the church was put on the earth. We're here to worship God indeed, but we're here as a herald of truth and the gospel. We'll begin in Ephesians 5, look in verse 6. Just a bit of a reminder as we start down this passage of scripture, how much that God wants us to know the truth and not be entangled in darkness. Beginning with verse 6, look at it there. Let no one deceive you with empty words. Paul goes to a further extent uh, in Philippians 2.8. He calls them vain or empty words, words of uh, base things, base nature. And what he is saying is the philosophies of this world, because wherever the Bible uses the word philosophy or speaks of the things of this world, it's speaking of the love of wisdom, the love of men's wisdom. And we're not to be deceived. That word deceived there... <laughs> We are not to believe what is false. We're not to be taken captive with empty words because who is the one that preaches and speaks empty and, and false words? The deceiver of this world. Go back to Ephesians 2. We were all under his power at one time, but at some time somebody got truth through to you. They defeated the dark in your life and then delivered you from being deceived. Be delivered from being deceived in the gospel. Be delivered from being deceived in the truth of God's word. Did God actually say is written in his word for you to read. Don't be deceived by empty words of this world. Because of these things, the wrath of God, you see it there in verse 6, comes upon the sons of disobedience. And we didn't spend much time talking about wrath, but one of the things I want you to know this morning about wrath is, is that you worry about uh, the world loving you and men's wrath by speaking the truth, but what you need to worry about is the perfect, unfiltered wrath of God 
throughout all of eternity on those who will pay for their own sins. Verse 7, don't become partners with them. And this word partners means don't take up any mutual benefit. I had a guy, and I'll keep this very short, asked me about buying stock and mutual funds. He said, there's things there we don't believe in. And I said, yeah, there's things. And I think uh, the one stock that he was worried about was Disney. I think this word best describes that. If you're going to make money from something Disney's doing wrong, even though you're not partaking in the wrong, you're becoming a partner with them and making money from that. Do not become partners with them. Now, that's not always possible, but a lot of times it is. That's what the scripture says. Don't become partners with them. These are simple English words. For at one time you were dark, and here's the reason, but now you're light. Don't partake in the dark. Don't make dark. You can't make dark because now you're light. But now you are in the light in the world. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light is all that is true, good, and beautiful. I just changed those words, but it's the words good. That means morally good. Righteous means, remember, what is the righteousness of God? Do you remember? I hope you do. It means everything that he does is right. (laughs) Good, right, and true. Those three things can't be disconnected. As I told you, the moral imperative there is that if it's not good, it has to be evil. And then we get to verse 10 where I want to work for just a moment. Try and discern. Do you see that? Try and discern. Discern the truth so that you can do what? Be pleasing to the Lord. How many people want to be pleasing to the Lord? Yeah, thanks, Monica. I love that. She's like, I want to. How many people fail at that once in a while? Right, okay. And why is it most of the time? Is it when you're praying the most that you fail? How about when you keep up your daily reading program in your Bible? Or is it when you quit doing those things? Yeah, I know the answer too. It's the same in my life. Try and discern means that we have a work to do. Discernment means the ability to judge well or to make moral judgments. The biblical meaning is to understand or know something through the power of the Spirit. Now, I wish I had time to connect these two truths, and I wanted to do it more last week. Perhaps we'll get time to write about it more this week. And that is the fact that wisdom becomes light through discernment and the truth of God's Word. I asked you last week if you remember what the definition of wisdom was. And the definition of wisdom is this, this, taking the knowledge you have, applying it to reality in a way that causes human flourishing and to glorify God. Okay? The next thing you need to do is connect and discern truth from Scripture so that you can produce light. But that's what discernment is. It's taking everything we know and working in a spiritual realm now of perceiving truth or truth in people and then giving or prophesying the truth. Connect Just write that word down somewhere in your Bible, prophesy, because we're going to end there today. But too many people are worried about judgment. And I'm telling you, to tell somebody the truth is not judging them. It's the truth judging them. But be able to love them and still be able to discern between what is righteous and unrighteous is important for a Christian. So there's a process here. First, it requires biblical knowledge. The prerequisite, what is the prerequisite for biblical knowledge? that we understand our Bible and can use it and that it works in our life? Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit indwells us and the Holy Spirit's written these words, the Holy Spirit enlivens that truth in us. And believers utilize the work of the Spirit. It indwells in them and it indwells in the Scripture. And when they learn Scripture, they can use it in a world to discern truth. 
And this, this passage is saying, and try to discern truth. How important is that? Keep your finger in Ephesians. Turn to the right just a little bit. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 5. If you go to 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, you've gone too far. Hebrews chapter 5, actually we're at the end of chapter 5, so almost chapter 6. And we're going to begin there in verse 11. And this has to do with how the church has power. As the church grows and matures in the scripture, the, the church will also be used by the Lord to make more testimony in the community that it has been placed in. Verse 11 not, not only that, beloved, but each one of you will have more truth. You'll be able to discern truth more specifically and keep sin out of your own life. About this, and when he says that, he's going in context about the resurrection and justification of sin through Christ and his atonement. About this or these things, we have much to say, the writer of Hebrews says, but it is hard to explain since you have become dull in your hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers yourselves, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment. I love that little phraseology. Powers of discernment. Again, it's a spiritual act discern truth from there and to use scripture to do that those who have their powers of discernment trained how do we train it by constant practice practice in what in the word of God to distinguish good from evil to distinguish good from evil that's what we want that's people who can discern truth from error because let me tell you something whenever Satan comes after you whenever Satan comes after anyone he doesn't go with the big obvious things. We know that homosexuality is wrong. We know that lying is wrong. But he comes in after the nuances. Did God really say, because that fruit looks good, it tastes good, it's going to give you something you desire. Did he really say you can't eat that fruit? You see the nuance in that? You need to be trained to be able to discern the truth. And what is the fruit of discerning the truth? Back to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 10 so that you can know what is pleasing to Christ. Work that pleases Christ is to be truthful and to be able to discern the truth so that we won't sin against him. I had somebody challenge me a couple weeks ago. They said, um, you know, I, I pulled that verse in, in John 16, I believe it's verse 19, and I said, Jesus says that if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And the person said to me, she goes, yeah, but we all break God's commandments from time to time because we're still sinners. I said, yeah, that's exactly right. But we don't knowingly do it. We don't want to do it. And when we know the truth of what those commands are, we pull back from that and we stop that sin. So we need to be able to discern the truth. We must prove the world's truth against the word of God if we are to make sound moral judgments. We must prove the world's truth against the word of God if we are to make sound moral judgments. God's word is the standard that we used. I used this illustration, but in my previous life, I was a machinist, toolmaker, 
and we could we had a device called a micrometer, and you could use a micrometer to measure down into ten thousandths of an inch. That's minute, beloved. You can't see that with your eye. If your hair is about three thousandths diameter, that's many times less in diameter is one ten thousandths of an inch. But those tools were absolutely useless if we didn't measure them against a standard. Not only did we have to measure them against a standard, but we had to do it at a certain temperature. And we had to have a certain feel whenever we moved the, moved the micrometer on the metal. But it was using it against that standard that we knew what size was, that we could get the feel, that we could discern what two ten thousandths of an inch felt like, so that whenever we measured the work that we were working on, we would know if we had it the right size or not, whether it was in tolerance. Beloved, that's what we're doing with the Word of God. We're measuring ourselves and the world's truth against that standard so as not to sin against God, so that we'll know the truth, so that we can be pleasing to the Lord. I want to be pleasing to the Lord. I want you to be pleasing to the Lord. There's great joy in being pleasing to the Lord. And to do that, we must be able to discern truth. Right? Discern truth. To make a critical examination of something and determine its genuineness. Why? Why is that so important? So that you can take pride in what you know and you can be bloated up and go, I know more than you? Absolutely not. So that you can judge others? No, that's not. So that we can walk. We can, do you see it there in verse 8? It's in verse 8. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the world, in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Glorify God. The chief end of man is to glorify God and to know him forever and to do pleasing, to live a life that pleases our Heavenly Father. To be a child of light, to be a child that is focused on all that is good, right, and true. To love like that, to, to make a testimony in the community like that so that others can see who it is that you're glorifying when you live like that. Why, what, what do we do then with the dark and why? What do we have to do with it? What interaction do we have to do? Well, we have to defeat it, beloved. We're to discern the truth so that we can defeat the dark. Do you see it there? Verse, it begins in verse 10. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord so that we can take no part in unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. This adds another level to this this morning. We only, not only not want to take any part in the darkness, and again, this take no part, this uh, do not be partners, this word expose, all of this is in the present active imperative. That means that it's a command that continues. We've got to continue exposing. We've got to continue to take no part. We've got to continue to discern. We've got to continually be doing that. As Christian, it's not a passive thing. It's not a one and done, but it's a life of a Christian. We don't want to be, a, be part of the unfruitful works of darkness. The moral imperative demands the opposite of good be evil, and there is no neutral. So if there is no neutral, we have to expose, as this passage says in verse 11, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. And now we know what they are because we're able to discern what's pleasing to the Lord. We've become crafts, craftsmen and craftswomen and using the scriptures so that we can discern the dark from the light. And we cannot take, unfruit, uh, uh, take part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but so that we can, and this is the next step. This is the step that we have 
often to find trouble with, and that is to expose that darkness, to expose that darkness. So the question then becomes this morning, is the scripture just asking us to live in such a way that we expose the darkness? Or is the scripture asking us to be proactive in exposing the darkness where we find it? And I know your heart already knows, doesn't it? Because we come up with a quick, uh, sometimes excuses, sometimes real. I, would, I don't know enough. I don't, I'm afraid. I don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. I, I don't want to be unloving. I, don't, I want them to discern what is pleasing to the Lord so that you can expose the darkness. You see that, beloved? We're to be exposers of the darkness. It's a present active imperative, and because it's an imperative in the Greek, it comes as a command to us. Falsehood must be exposed. Why? Why is that not judging? And I read this morning to you from, uh, to the folks in the Sunday School lesson this morning that today, uh, through Catholic News, uh, they released um, uh, the... Um, the um, announcement that says from December 8th through February 2nd, I may have those dates a little mixed up, so if you're planning on do this, you might look this up for yourself. But they're, they're saying that you can have plenary indulgences if you will pray before a nativity scene in a Franciscan church. I can't, it doesn't get any more dark than that. I've got the words here. This Advent and Christmas from December 8th through February 2nd, Catholics will be able to receive a plenary indulgence by praying before a nativity scene in a Franciscan church. I think a lot of the folks this morning in Sunday school when we talked about this kind of got a chuckle at this. But I don't want you to chuckle. I mean, sometimes if you don't, you're going to cry. But what I want you to understand is the importance of what I'm asking you to do, and that is, and Scripture is asking you to do, is discern the truth so that you can defeat the dark because what rides on that is that the deceived need to be delivered in the truth. There are people that take this as gospel. Now, Catholic News has about 500,000 followers on Twitter. And I know that there are people believing that they can receive an indulgence. That means that they can sin as much as they want between those two times as long as they just pray before a nativity scene. There's nothing more harmful to a new believer or somebody that may be close to the gospel than, than an error like that. Why? Why is it important to do that? Why is it important to bring these things up? Why is it important? Well, I've enumerated a couple of things already. But the final today is because when it is exposed by light, the truth makes the dark visible. Look with me, verse 11. Go back to 10 and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. By the word, I, did, I didn't open that word up enough. Expose means to drag to the light. The Greek word there does. For it is shameful even to speak of the things they do in secret. Verse 13 is where I want to be. But anything is exposed by the light, but when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. In other words, it comes visible before the, it becomes the lie that it is, before those who need to understand more than anybody else that it is dark, that it is a lie, that there is poison there. 
When we expose those things and we do that properly, we are doing a service for people and bystanders who do not, who may not be saved yet, who are lost and think these things are the way to get saved. What we're ultimately doing is exposing the lies of the devil so that people can receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay? Discern the truth so that you can defeat the dark and deliver the deceived. Turn with me as we come to a close here to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Verses 24, 25, and 26. 24 and 25. Yeah, because it, we're quick to say, I can't do that. I don't know enough about Scripture. I don't want, I don't want people to not like me. I, you know, I think it's unloving. It, it's hard to do that. I, I agree it's hard to do that. But it can deliver somebody that's deceived. And as a church, we have that testimony to give. This little passage is going to bring that out. Because the word prophecy here is very important. You know what prophecy means in the New Testament? Speak the truth with conviction. Where do we get the truth? Where do we prophesy? From the word that's already been taught us? The scriptures. Do you see how this fits together? Discern so that you can prophesy. Because Paul's going to tell us here, that prophecy is what saves people. Whenever we speak the gospel in all its truth, it is brutish. It is hard. It tells you that you're a sinner and that you have no way to save yourself. And it tells you that the only thing you can do is cling to the Lord Jesus Christ and repent of your sins and be saved. But that's the only thing you want people to do. Verse 24, 1 Corinthians 14. Let me set just a little bit of the backdrop. This is the passage in 1 Corinthians where they're all, he goes into their church service and they're all speaking tongues and praying in tongues and it's not really tongues from like Acts because it's just um, glossolalia which is, which is just uh, indistinct speech and scattered. It's gibberish. And he's saying what's happening here is that people, when they come in, they can't understand you, and if they can't understand you, they can't get saved. They, it won't do them any good. It won't produce any fruit in their life. It, it won't dispel any darkness and produce what the light naturally produces. But what Paul boils it all down to in these last two verses is it says, but if all of you will prophesy, and that means speak the truth with conviction, if you'll just do that, when an unbeliever, an outsider enters or he hears you doing that, he is convicted by all and is called to account by all. Do you see the power of a church that speaks the truth of God in all that it does? Do you see how it defeats the dark and it delivers the deceived? Paul's saying their hope is riding on your ability to discern and, and give them the truth. Don't hide it. Don't water it down. Don't change it because it's more loving because that's the absolute opposite thing you can do. And let me tell you how I know that. Who spoke the truth to you? Because if you're truly saved, what you've come in contact with this morning is that you were a wretched sinner. 
You were a wretched sinner. You had no hope other than the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on the cross of Calvary, and that righteousness can be imputed to you if you will have faith in that act. Amen. Oh, i got to water that down. No. Go with it. Let God do the saving. Let his word do the judging. Pray before you go. Tremble when you speak the words. Oh, I can't tell you how many times my prayer life is, is I don't want to beat anybody up with the word of God, but I don't, worse, even worse, I do not want to be dishonest with the word of God. Rightly handle the word of truth. Discern what is pleasing so that you can defeat the darkness and deliver the deceived. Paul says, if all prophesy an unbeliever, an outsider comes in, he's convicted by everyone. That one corporate voice can speak. Hey, what would happen if every one of you sitting here went with me next Saturday up to the mill in Philadelphia? How about if we went down to the high school and said, stop, we want to talk to you about LGBTQ. I know, it sounds radical, doesn't it? I'll leave that alone, but I'm telling you, if we went together with the same truth, the truth of God, it would have radical implications. It would. Prophesy, an unbeliever, an outsider enters. He is convicted by all. He's called to account by all. And you see what happens here. The secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so falling upon his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. That's what we want. We want to see people understand and see their sin condition so that they can see their need for the Savior, Jesus Christ. And let me just end very briefly here that that's where this passage in Ephesians ends. Begin back verse at 10, and we'll just read this and be done. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things. So we don't have to be blasphemous and loud about it, do we? Just expose them and don't speak about it. But when anything is exposed by light, it can find by the light, it can find healing, right? From the darkness. It becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible becomes light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. The gospel's right there, isn't it? If we'll discern the truth and defeat the dark, we can deliver the deceived through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Beloved church, I call you to that this morning. I think this passage is definitive. We've talked on both sides of this quite a bit in our Sunday school class. But as believers, we're to know God's word thoroughly. Keep it in our heart. And the first reason is for us not to sin. But the second reason is so that we can prophesy and dispel the darkness. Amen? Amen. Gracious Heavenly Fathers, we come to a close this morning. I'm so thankful for your people. I'm thankful for this gathering, this time, where we can come together, we can open your holy word and discern truth. Father, the ruler of this world lies because he wants to murder. 
and so many people we see around us, our heart breaks. Our heart literally breaks. It should. Any Christian here should be broken over the sin that they see in the culture around us. And just as you were broken over that same sin, you didn't leave it unchanged. Father, let us be people that are so full of your word and your love that we willingly speak the truth in love so that others can be delivered from the deceit of the wicked one. Thank you for this congregation and their heart to hear these words and to do that work. Bless them, Father, this morning as they come and go from this place and as they go this week. Bless them and hold them close to you. Let these words embroil their hearts. Let them each, as the Spirit works upon their soul, decide for themselves what it means to discern truth and be pleasing to you. Thank you, Father, for your grace and the ability to do that in our Savior Jesus. For it's in his name we pray this day. Amen. If the men that are going to take up the table this morning would come at this time, and as they do, I'll remind